0: church. Please join me. Take your Bibles. Let's turn together to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Go to Psalms. Take a right. You'll see Isaiah. And then after that, Jeremiah chapter 1. In a moment, we'll read verses 1 through 10 together. A couple of distinctions about the book of Jeremiah, some Bible trivia for you as you go to Jeremiah 1. First, by counting the number of words in the original language, Hebrew for Jeremiah, Jeremiah is actually the longest book in the Bible. There are 33,002 words in the Hebrew language. It's also the longest prophetic book with uh, 1,364 verses out of the 16 prophets that we have recorded in the Old Testament. Just some Bible trivia for you there, but the second distinction is that Jeremiah's book records more about him as a prophet, his life, his emotions, his feelings, than any of the other 15 prophets that we have in Scripture. So Jeremiah is going to be a fun study as we begin it today, and our theme of this series is faithful to the mission. Jeremiah was indeed faithful to the mission that God had given him to a sinful and rebellious people in a world that was very difficult to preach the truth of God's word in. Yet he continued. He was steadfast. He was faithful even when people rejected his message. Like Jeremiah... We, too, live in a very challenging world that is still filled with rebellion against God. Uh, Even today, in the midst of this global pandemic of 2020, uh, people's hearts are still hard. People are still rebelling against God. But like Jeremiah, God has called you and He's called me to faithfully proclaim the truth of His Word. And as we proclaim the truth of God's Word, it exposes sinful behavior. It calls for repentance, but always gives us the hope of salvation in Christ Jesus. So as we begin our study, look at Jeremiah chapter 1. I want to read with you verses 1 through 10 of chapter 1 of Jeremiah. Verse 1 says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, "...of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. May we be faithful to the mission as we learn about Jeremiah being faithful to the mission God gave him. Let's pray. Father, we ask, by your Spirit, as we begin this new series in Jeremiah, that you would open our eyes to see the mission that you've called us to be a part of. Father, that you will give us understanding of your mission that was happening in Jeremiah's time, and that we could learn from his faithfulness how to be faithful followers of Christ today and faithful to the mission that you have given us. Speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah, no doubt, is a challenging book to study. Uh, For one, it's sheer length. It's 52 chapters. And again, in the original language, the longest book in the Bible, 5.2% of the biblical material is in Jeremiah. Second, as you read Jeremiah, it's not easy. It's not chronological. I, I like reading books of the Bible that begin and chronologically flow and go to the end. Jeremiah is not like that. It's kind of piecemeal together, and you'll see that in a moment. But that is typical to this time frame and common to exile literature. But third, Jeremiah contains a, a variety of material uh, or a variety of, of genre. It, it, it contains sermons that God gave Jeremiah that speak the message of God to his people. Uh, it contains journals, Jeremiah's private thoughts. And so you have the private thoughts of a very public man given. And also it, it contains uh, poetry or songs that really express the, mo- the emotions of this prophet, uh, nicknamed by some as the weeping prophet. Uh, as we begin this study in Jeremiah, the overall theme of Jeremiah is one of hope provided by judgment. So Jeremiah is about hope provided by judgment. Judgment came upon God's people according to His promise because they were unfaithful to God. They put their confidence in the wrong people and other nations, Assyria and Egypt, rather than God. They were guilty of idolatry, also identified as adulterating a relationship with their one God. They oppressed the immigrants and orphans and widows. They were guilty of lying, guilty of slander, breaking the Sabbath, and they were guilty of hypocrisy. Yet in the midst of their sinfulness, in the midst of this judgment that God promised to bring and did bring, there is always a ray of hope. If the people of God repent, God promised to restore So a warning of judgment, hey, if you don't repent, judgment's coming, is is always hopeful to those whose heart is ready to repent. So the very act of God announcing, if you do not tighten up and if you do not straighten up, I'm going to bring judgment upon you is an act of mercy by God. And as we think about that, that's the gospel. That's what we hear, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that the penalty of our sin is death. But here's the ray of hope. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You're going to say it, so just let me help you. Hallelujah. What a Savior, right? Let me give you an overview of the 52 chapters of Jeremiah. Just short statements about it. Chapter 1, we'll come back to. It's a great introduction It gives us the ability to study the whole book by breaking it down. But chapters 2 through 29, they focus on sins that lead to judgment, what the people are guilty of. Chapters 30 through 33 are kind of out of order, but they focus on God's renewal of His people. While chapters 34 through 51 focus on God's judgment toward His people. And then chapter 52 just is a great concluding chapter, and it ends with the fall of Jerusalem. And let me give you a summary of chapter 1. Let's go back to chapter 1. You can easily break it down in three sections, and and then we'll talk about it through the sermon notes. First of all, verses 1 through 3 talk about the historical scene, time period, during the last good king, Josiah, to the loss of Jerusalem. Then there are themes that are introduced, beginning with verse 4 all the way through verse 16. And these themes are common to prophetic books in Scripture. You have the theme of sin. You have the theme of judgment as a result of sin and breaking the covenant. But you also have the theme of renewal. And so you see those introduced in chapter 1, and you're going to see those themes reoccur all the way through this study. And then third, verses 17 through 19, uh, speak of the enemies of God. There's always opposition. There are enemies, and God let Jeremiah know, yes, they're going to be enemies, and there will be opposition against you, the man of God, the prophet. Probably the best-known passage in the entire book of Jeremiah, and the one that that I want to highlight for you, is chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, and it's called the New Covenant text. Uh, Jeremiah said in verse 31 of chapter 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He goes on to say in verse 33, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and then verse 34 for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more that is uh, the the most common text that I think we think of when we think of Jeremiah and it's and it's also the largest Old Testament text That's quoted in the New Testament in Hebrews chapters 8 and chapters 10. Uh, But it's probably uh, even uh, got more uh, significance in that it more clearly identifies uh, and links God's promises that began in Genesis chapter 3 with Eve, and then Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham, and then 2 Samuel chapter 7 with David, Uh, it links the promises of God in the Old Testament with the New Testament assurances that God in Christ grants for believers new hearts, salvation, and fellowship with Him. And so no prophet before this time had discussed this new covenant in this way. And so the entry of Jesus, as we see in the New Testament, Into the world world was a direct fulfillment of what Jeremiah spoke of as the new covenant. In fact, uh, in the gospel narratives, when Jesus was uh, eating that Passover meal with his disciples, and then he changed the significance, the meaning of that meal by saying, this bread represents my body. But then particularly when he held up the cup and he said, this cup, represents my blood the blood of a new covenant and that is a direct fulfillment to what jeremiah is talking about of a new covenant that god will give his people now let's dig into chapter one and look at the um, sermon notes that you hopefully have in front of you and let me walk through those beginning again with verses one two and three there is an introduction of the prophet of God. This is the historical scene. Jeremiah was born of a priest. His dad was Hilkiah. So that makes Jeremiah a preacher's kid. I can kind of hang on to that and identify. Uh, Because his dad was a priest, Jeremiah probably anticipated he would follow in his father's footsteps as a priest. The birthplace is identified as Anathoth. It's a city that was just outside of Jerusalem, about three miles northeast of Jerusalem. In fact, on a good day, you could stand in Anathoth and see the walls, the city walls of Jerusalem. It was close enough that the priest, when it was time for them to serve in the temple, they could walk uh, to the temple for their service. And then there's the divine origin of the message. This is critical in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the prophet of the word of God. Of the 349 times in the Old Testament that the phrase, Thus saith the Lord is used, 157 of those are in the book of Jeremiah. So he is a man of God that speaks the word of God. And the clue for us is when he says, Thus saith the Lord. So Jeremiah, to whom the word of the Lord came, indicates that God chose him, this person For this purpose at this time, God chose Jeremiah to be his mouthpiece as a prophet of God. And prophets in the Old Testament were preachers of the Old Covenant. Uh, A genuine prophet was one that heard a word from God directly and then shared that word with the people God directed him to, oftentimes verbatim. But even uh, more critical is our understanding of the time period of the ministry of Jeremiah. As we begin this study and move forward, uh, that time period is important to wrap around. Uh, Jeremiah lets us know here that the revelations he received began during the reign of King Josiah in Judah uh, and continued during the reigns of Jehoahaz, not listed in this list. He only reigned for three months, and that may be why. And then Jehoiakim. And then there was another one after Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and he's not listed because of a three month uh, tenure, possibly. And then he did list Zedekiah. So Jeremiah reigned during, uh, ministered during the reign of all of these kings, and his ministry spanned about 40 years. And it coincided with the last years of the kingdom of Judah. That's important. But let's back up a little bit more and understand what kind of kingdom he was in. He was in a divided kingdom. And so we go back to King Solomon. And after King Solomon died, that's when the kingdom divided. The ten northern tribes formed the northern nation of Israel. And then Judah remained as the southern kingdom. Well, the northern kingdom, Israel, fell to Assyria in 722 BC. That is one of those landmark dates in the history of God's people to where the northern kingdom, Israel, fell to Assyria. After that, Assyria began to slowly lose power, and Babylon came on the scene, and the Babylonians gained control. Judah, however, managed to continue to grow and strengthen during this time, And it was in 641 BC that God blessed Judah with a godly king, this king Josiah. And during Josiah's tenure, he began to turn the hearts of the people back to God. And in 2 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles 34, you can get the backstory here. But the high priest at that time, Hilkiah, found the, the word of God found the, the law of the Lord in the temple when that reformation began and they began to uh, reform and renovate the temple. There they found the law of God and he brought it to Josiah. Josiah rent his clothes and he called out to God and, and that began a reformation under King Josiah but he never completely was able to reform the nation. Though renewal started in their hearts and though reformation was on the outside, he was tearing down uh, false gods and, and false altars and idols, and he was ridding the land of anything that did not worship the one true God. But when he died, the hearts of the people quickly turned back to the practices that evoked God's judgment. That is the trend that we see in Scripture of our hearts. Our hearts are deceptive. Our hearts are easily led astray. They are wicked. And so when that godly influence of King Josiah was removed, the people's heart quickly went back to sinful behavior. And so it was in a downward spiral of leadership that Josiah's godly run was then followed by Uh, his ungodly sons, Jehoiakim and the ugly reign of Zedekiah. And Jeremiah prophesied during the reign of, of all of these kings, but eventually the prophecies of God's judgment came true. The Babylonians captured Jerusalem. God's people became exiles in Babylon. Jeremiah was taken to Egypt where he later died. And so that's the introduction of the prophet of God. And And keep going back and visiting that. And also, I posted on social media about a seven-minute video that's a good overview of Jeremiah. And so, you can see and hear on that video, and that would help you have a foundation. But number two on your notes, and this is kind of the meat of what I want to share with you today, an interruption of divine proportion. An interruption of divine proportion. Has God ever interrupted your life? He did Jeremiah's, and the assertion that Jeremiah gave that the word of the Lord came to me uh, serves two purposes right here. Number one, it designates a specific event in the life of Jeremiah. There was a day that was normal, and then all of a sudden, God interrupted that normal day. Suddenly, without warning, God showed up and got Jeremiah's attention, Now, this was the first time that Jeremiah apparently had received a prophetic revelation, and that moment changed his life. Secondly, it identifies why God interrupted Jeremiah's life to be called as a prophet of God. And I want you to notice something kind of subtle, but you need to know the differences here in verse 4. Notice that the word Lord is in all counts all uppercase. Thus, it's saying this name is the name of Yahweh. That is the name of God that's represented. And it's significant because Yahweh is the covenant-making God, the promise-keeping God, the God who told Moses, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. And so as God shows up and interrupts Jeremiah's life, he let him know this is Yahweh that is coming, a covenant-making God, a promise-keeping God to His people. Now, think about it. There's no enlistment opportunity for Jeremiah. There is no warning for him that today is going to be a special day. There's no job fair. There is no career counseling going on. And by the way, high school seniors, graduates that are graduating in 2020, Jeremiah is about your age. Uh, He is an older teenager, less than 20 And then God shows up and interrupts his life with a divine interruption that had divine uh, uh, consequences and changed his life forever. God basically told Jeremiah that while he was being formed in his mother's womb, he was being set apart for a specific purpose in the mind of God. There's a Hebrew word for that, and it is, wow, wow. That just is mind-blowing. Jeremiah's life was neither accidental nor coincidental. And dear church, neither is your life or my life accidental or coincidental. Rather, Jeremiah understood by what God said, he was designed by Yahweh to accomplish a purpose for his glory we too are fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of Yahweh to be His image bearers in the world in which we live. And though we're scarred by sin, we are still called upon uh, to be the image bearers of God. But look at verse 5. We're going to break that down. This is that divine call verse to where God interrupted Jeremiah's life and changed it forever. And I want to just kind of, put a parenthesis here and talk about the call of God on three different levels that we see in Scripture. Uh, The Bible describes a general call to salvation. God calls us out to be saved, and, and we see that call of salvation evident. And we can hear it in these words, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send His Son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And and so you, you as an individual, I as an individual, have to come to grips with the truth of that salvation message, the gospel as we call it, that we are broken in sin and we are helpless to save ourselves. And understand the love of God in the gift of Jesus to come and rescue us from our brokenness and sin. And that's when Paul had a hallelujah course in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, Made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you don't deserve it, you have been saved in Christ and Christ alone. And so, for those who are born again, who experience that call of salvation, we hear the good news of the gospel, we respond by turning from sin and putting our trust in Jesus, then we experience another call, and that is a call to holy living. That is a call to grow in Christ's likeness, to grow up, to be like Christ in character and conduct. Now, the Bible calls this process of spiritual growth sanctification. And this process of sanctification calls us out to put off the old and put on the new, to put away sinful, habitual living, and to put on a life of trust and obedience in our God. And so there is a specific call to live that holy life, but with that specific call comes very specific things that we do to obey. For example, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Guys, that's very specific and and very fine-tuned of how we are to obey and be holy as our God is holy. Ladies, Our wives are called to respond to the spiritual leadership of a husband through loving submission, just like they submit to the authority of Christ in your life. Uh, Parents are called to rear our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And guess what, children? You are called to obey your parents, for this is right. And dear believers, every one of us are called out to invest our life for the glory of God and to be all in with our time, talent, and treasure in the mission of God that we at Liberty Baptist like to say... Making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You, you get the idea. There is a calling upon the life of the child of God to be on mission with God and to live a life that represents Christ well by growing in holiness. But there is a third call that is out there. And the Bible talks about a call to full time vocational ministry. For Jeremiah, that's what he got. It was a call from God to speak the Word of God as the man of God in the Old Testament. For me, it was a specific calling to be a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For missionaries, it is a call to take the gospel to the nations, to the ends of the earth. And like the other calls described in the Bible, this call has a general meaning and a specific meaning. In general, we're all called out to be missionaries. We're all called to live sent. Uh, We are all called to open our mouths and speak the good news of the gospel that forever changed our life. This is a personal God-given responsibility to every believer. He did not say any of us could sit the bench and keep our mouth shut. He called us to invest all that we are and all that we have and open our mouth with boldness to proclaim the gospel. But very specifically in this call, God still calls out individuals to full-time vocational ministry. And in fact, someone listening today may be experiencing that conviction and that compelling call of God to... Invest your life, surrender your life to serve Him in full-time Christian vocational ministry of some aspect. It may be a proclaimer of the gospel as a preacher, it may be a worship pastor, it may be a missionary that goes to uh, an, an unreached people group to share the good news of Jesus. But God still calls young men and young women out to serve him full-time for his glory and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Hey, church, the church is alive and well because the mission of God is unhindered by anything in history, and it is not going to be hindered by a pandemic in 2020. And so this means that in this place, at this moment, in the middle of this pandemic, God has a call upon your life. And he has a call upon my life. And he had a call upon Jeremiah's life. And there are three verbs that I want to just investigate that call to Jeremiah. Look at verse 5. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before. God says that he had a plan for Jeremiah before Jeremiah was created. Before he was formed. That word form means created. It's the same word that we read in Genesis 2, 7, when God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. It's the same word that David uses in Psalm thirty one uh, 39 in verses 13 and 16 when he talks about God forming him in, the, in his inward parts. And, and the Lord God said to Jeremiah, now before I created you, I knew you. That word for knowing someone in the Old Testament is not just intellectual knowledge. It is knowledge on a personal level. It is talking about a close relationship. It's talking, we would say it this way, God knew Jeremiah by name. Uh, It's the word that describes in Scripture the closeness of a husband and wife. And so God told Jeremiah... Before I even created you, I knew you intimately. Uh, Wow, there's that Hebrew word again. Could it be that God declared Jeremiah to be his prophet before he even created him? Seems to me like that's what God is saying. What does it say? Uh, What it does say is that God is the creator and giver of Jeremiah's life, but God is also the creator and giver of every life. Our origin is from God, Yahweh, from God, Creator, Elohim God. And the purpose of this passage is not really to make a statement about the current debate of abortion, but it does, and it does so very clearly. God's sonogram in Jeremiah's life did not reveal a clump of tissue, but it revealed a person whom he knew before he even was born, a person who was called by a specific purpose. And so that is a clear statement about the origin of life and about life at conception, about our Creator knowing who we are before we're even born. But he told Jeremiah, he said, I also consecrated you. I sanctified you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. So Jeremiah was set apart by the Lord, for the Lord, even before he knew the Lord. And that is mind-blowing, isn't it, church? Paul said that happened to him. Even before he turned to the Lord and knew him personally, in Galatians 1 and verse 15, Paul says that he was set apart, consecrated, sanctified by the Lord. But he goes further. Not only did I know you, not only did I sanctify you, but I ordained you. God appointed Jeremiah. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I had a purpose in mind for you. So God's concern from the beginning is that all the nations of the earth would know his salvation. And that's why he's calling Jeremiah out. That's why he called Abraham in Genesis 12 and set apart a nation, a people called Israel, to be a special channel through which God would bring his word and salvation through his son through them. God spoke through Jeremiah to call his people in this day to repentance to warn them that there will be judgment if they didn't repent. And it came, but remind them that through judgment there is hope. Now, as we read the New Testament and as God's children today, here's what Ephesians 1 and Romans 8 says about us. We are chosen and set apart by Him and for Him. And that truth ought to give us great courage as we confront a culture that is outside of Christ or a culture that does not love God with all its heart. As we serve the Lord, we ought to have a great fire in our bones of what Romans 8 and chapter chapter 8 and verse 31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Hey church, we have a mission and we have a call upon our life and God initiated it and he's included us to be a part of it. But I want you to see the human nature of the prophet, the man of God, Jeremiah. Look at verse 6. There is a human hesitation. Jeremiah put the brakes on real quick, said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You remember, out of nowhere, God shows up, interrupts his life, and that interruption had divine proportions. I'm going to change your life forever. You're going to be a man of God speaking the word of God to a people that need to hear truth. Jeremiah says, wait a minute, Ah, Lord God, not so fast. Behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. We've heard other prophets, other men of God who were called say, wait a minute, God, not so fast. I'm too weak. I can't speak well. Moses, so he hesitated when he looked at the work before him and understood the wickedness around him but also understood I'm just young and I'm weak within. And so Jeremiah said, Lord God. And I I want us to notice the nuance of the language there. Notice Lord is not in all caps, but God is in all caps. And so what that is saying, that, that word Lord there just simply means master. But God is Yahweh, so what he is saying is, Lord Yahweh, our master Yahweh. So Jeremiah, that combination of of terminology is reflecting a submission to Lord Yahweh. Even before Jeremiah fully submitted, his words reflected that right place of surrender to the authority of Yahweh. I want to ask you, have you ever been at that place where Jeremiah is in verse 6? Have you ever been at a place to where God interrupted your life and God was compelling you to do something through obedience for His glory? Maybe it's surrender your life and be saved. Maybe it's surrender your life and serve Him at the level that God wants you to serve. Maybe it is to return to Him and repent because you have forsaken your first love. Maybe it's to let go of sinful behavior that you enjoy clinging to so that you could experience a full revival and renewal in your heart so that you follow God faithfully. And Jeremiah was going, wait a minute, God, I didn't have that. Maybe Jeremiah's thinking, I'm going to follow my dad, Hil- Hilkiah, as a priest. At least for a priest, he had a job description. All you had to do as a priest is is live the life God called you to live and follow the directions he gave you in ministering and serving to the people. And so as a priest, it was kind of black and white. This is what you do. This is when you do it. This is how you do it. But when you're called out to be a prophet of God, all you know is you're going to go where I tell you to go. You're going to speak what I give you to speak. And there will be people who oppose you, but don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. I want to ask you, are you resisting the call of God upon your life? Do you need to submit? And submission is more than being in church on Sunday or in your homes right now during the pandemic on Sunday and saying, all to Jesus I surrender, saying, Lord, here I am, and palms up, but come Sunday night and Monday, you live your life for your own interest. No, submission includes an appropriate attitude of surrender and then an appropriate action of obedience. Surrender and obedience go together in order to please God. Now, Jeremiah gives two excuses to God. I cannot speak. I am young. The term youth, again, reflects teenager, less than 20. And I don't think Jeremiah is so much concerned about his age, but he understood his culture right here. He lived in a culture that valued wisdom from older people. And God says, Jeremiah, I'm going to call you out to be a prophet to the nations. Not just Judah, but to the nations. Even that surrounding Assyria and Babylon and Egypt, all of those around you. And so Jeremiah is probably thinking, I don't qualify for anybody to give me a listening ear. I am young. I don't have the wisdom that they deem necessary for a man of God. And so I lack what is needed, God, for what you're calling me to do. I wonder how many people in church have actually had that same conversation with God. Well, God, I'm not ready. I'm not capable. I'm too weak. I'm too sinful. I lack what you need. Well, God has in mind for Jeremiah, and he might for you, on-the-job training. By the way, just think about this. If God called Jeremiah before he even formed him, don't you think that God is able to equip him to do what he called him to do? And so it's often been said God does not call the equipped, but go ahead and finish it. He equips the called. And that's what's happening right here in Jeremiah's life. God had created him for this purpose for this time and, and God is calling him now. But look at verses 7 through 10. This is a God-sized response to a human hesitation. He said, do not say that I am a youth. The point is made and must be understood. God is letting Jeremiah know, hey, Jeremiah, it's not so much about you and your ability as much as it is about me and my ability and my purpose and my plan and my mission. I just want to include you. I don't need you, but I want to include you to be a vessel for me, though you are weak and though you are young. I want to use you to bring my name glory, and I want to use you to speak my message to my people. So, Jeremiah, stop making excuses. Go where I send you, say what I tell you, and don't fear the people against you. Now that's pretty bold, it's pretty clear, it is pretty brash. But it would take a lot of faith for Jeremiah to surrender and trust God and obey to go where he sends, say what he says, because it's not going to be a feel-good message like we hear in a lot of places today, and then not fear what the people are going to do. In fact, God says, I'm going to call you to be a preacher But when you preach what I tell you to preach, they're not going to like it and they're going to resent you as the messenger. So when God calls or sets someone apart for ministry, like we see in Jeremiah right here, there's normally a time that we know God is definitely calling us out. And the moment God speaks, that's the timing in which we need to be obedient the, the timing of God speaking to Jeremiah was at just the right time when King Josiah was in the lead and a, a reformation uh, of, of, was taking place in the land and God wanted Jeremiah to be in place before that change. Uh, that was true in my life. There was a time that I understood God calling me out. And understand this, the assurance of a divine call is a must in ministry. And the reason that God wanted Jeremiah to know he was calling him and it was more about God's power and God's promises than the ability of Jeremiah is because ministry gets messy. Ministry will have opposition. Ministry will get discouraging. Ministry is not easy. And the anchor that Jeremiah needed is to know that I am being obedient to what God called me out to do. So when they oppose me, they're not opposing me, they're opposing God. When they ban me from going into the temple, they're not banning me, they're banning God. When when they seek to kill me or send me away, uh, they're quarant- quarantining God and not me. Now, Jeremiah was facing at this point a pivotal decision that we all face, obedience. There is no reason to believe that if Jeremiah let this moment pass, that he would get another chance. And I think that's true for a lot of us. When God speaks, that's the time to obey because we're not guaranteed we'll get another chance to obey God and accomplish His purpose at that moment, in that place, at that time among those people. You can miss the opportunity to obey. And by the way, church, a non-decision is a no decision. Someone once said, big moments swing on tiny hinges of obedience. So if God is calling you out today, obey. Compassion, God shared with Jeremiah, do not be afraid for I will deliver you, says the Lord. Well, that's good. The most common command and divine command in Scripture is do not be afraid. The comfort God gives Jeremiah is based on the reality that I will be with you and I will deliver you. We hear that comfort in our Great Commission passage, Matthew 28, 20. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The fact that God is calling Jeremiah to act based on God's promise and presence helps us understand true courage. Courage is really an act of faith putting our trust in the character of God. That's why we can be scared to death, as John Wayne said, and saddle up anyway. Then God commissioned Jeremiah. He commanded him, do not say. He had compassion on him. And then he said, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have touched your mouth. I have placed my words in you. So God puts his words in Jeremiah's mouth. God was going to use him to be the man of God, to speak the word of God to the people God directed him to. God calls Jeremiah to that specific speaking ministry. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build up and to plant. Real quick, four negative terms. Your ministry is not going to be easy because you're going to have to root out and pull down. In other words, you're going to preach against the sin that's in the lives of people. You're going to have to destroy and throw down. In other words, the message I give you will not be popular. It's of judgment that is sure to come. And then two positives at the end, two verbs of construction, not destruction, of hope and restoration. I will plant and I will build. So God has promised that he would rebuild and replant Jerusalem. That will happen. But first, God will break down and destroy. Yet even in destruction... Understand that God is preparing the way for something new. When God allows either catastrophic or unexpected endings, it is to prepare a way from unimaginable new beginnings. I want you to think about this pandemic. Is God working through a global pandemic in your life to tear down in order to build back up? Is God exposing the real idols of your life? Is he exposing the complacency of the body of Christ, the church? Is he exposing the sinful rebellion of his people? Is there a need for him to tear down in order to build us up? I think so. And in order for us to redeem the time, we need to hear what God is saying to us today about obedience and courage to obey. Number three, quickly, and we're done. An instruction with kingdom impact. It goes to the end of the chapter beginning with verse 11. The message of the almond branch. Jeremiah, what do you see? In Anathoth, almond trees were were prominent. So he could just look out and he said, well, I'll see an almond branch. There's a play on words in the Hebrew that we won't uh, get unless I give you this paraphrase. But here it is. He said, "I, I see an almond stick. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well because I will stick by my word. And so the purpose of that that vision of the almond branch is that God will honor His Word. That's the confidence that I have as a preacher of the gospel. When visible results are not evident, the confidence that we have, if we have rightly divided the Word of truth and we have proclaimed God's Word, it will never return unto Him void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which He gave it. Number two, Jeremiah, what do you see? I see a boiling pot. The historical backdrop to this chapter is that God is going to bring judgment on a people if they do not repent. And the invading army ended up being Babylon, who though they may have been located toward the east, they entered Jerusalem by the north. And so God gives Jeremiah in verse 17 in a summary of his call four directives. Prepare yourself, Jeremiah, I've called you, arise Prepare yourself, arise, say everything that I give you to say, and do not be dismayed. Church, we need to hear those marching orders. Prepare yourself. Dress yourself for work. That's what he's saying. Gird your loins, tuck your robe up in your belt so that you can be swift to arise and go to the people and say everything that I tell you to say, do not be dismayed, lest I dismay dismay you among the people. So just like God called Jeremiah to his mission, God's calling you and me to our mission. And to what is God calling you today, dear church? Is it to salvation, to understand your brokenness and sin and that you're helpless to save yourself and you need to surrender to the work of God's Son on the cross at Calvary in your place, of dying in your place and shedding His blood so that your sin could be forgiven so that your life could be forever changed. Yes, Jesus died, but on the third day, He rose again, and that is why He is a living Savior that can save you to the uttermost right now. But it takes you admitting that you're a sinner and surrendering in your helplessness to save yourself and calling upon the name of Jesus and trust that what He did on the cross was for you to pay for the penalty of your sin and that you will surrender to His authority and ask Him to forgive you and be your Savior. Maybe your call is to serve the Lord at a greater level. Maybe your call is to repent from sin that's specific in your life. Maybe your call is to vocational ministry, that you need to make it known that God is compelling you to serve Him. And remember my dad said, said to me when I say, I think God's calling me to preach. He said, well, if you can do anything else, do it. Here's one thing about the call of God. It keeps coming and pursuing. And if God is compelling you and hedging you in today, will you stand up and obey and say, I'm one of those called out to serve Him vocationally with my life. Hey guys, maybe He's calling you and me to biblical manhood. Stop being passive. Accept the leadership spiritually in our family and to prepare to go to work as He called Jeremiah to arise and say what I've given you and do not be dismayed. Just like God prepared Jeremiah for the mission, God has also prepared you and I for our mission today. Your decision, like Jeremiah, is quite simple. Obedience. Obey the call to join God's mission. I want to pray for you, and after that I'll give you an email where you can respond back to me with questions or with the decisions that you've made. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. It has gone forth by your spirit. And I pray that you would prick the hearts of your people. May we not be rebellious. May we not be stiff necked people. May we not ignore truth, but may we listen and trust and obey you. Father, I pray that someone who does not know Jesus will be saved. I pray you'll call men and women to full time vocational ministry. I pray that believers will repent of sin. And I pray that believers will walk in obedience to serve you with their gifts and abilities that you've given them. So, Father, may we be found faithful to the mission through obedience today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for investing this time to share with us at Liberty Baptist. And my encouragement, you be faithful to the mission. If you have questions or a decision that you would like to share with me, tcox at I'd love to hear from you. I look forward to hearing from you. God is on the move. His mission is unbound. And the question is, are we moving with him? Are we walking in obedience? I pray that we will. God bless you till we meet again.